0: We want to talk about what does this phrase in heaven mean? We might spill over into hallowed be his name and, and stuff, so I can't promise it. we'll just stop there. But, but let's, uh, let's pray this as we read it on the screens together. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And as we were talking last week, if we don't get this whole idea that over and above this prayer is a benevolent, generous, holy, loving, present, powerful, wise gracious, consistent, available, uh, unmovable Father, we won't get it. That over this prayer, like the door into all that Jesus gives us, and I was reading N.T. Wright this morning, and he again, he uses this. This is not, these aren't the only words we pray, but these words provide a framework to build a house and a life of prayer. So I can talk about the Father 20 different ways, 50 different ways. I can think about his space, his abode, his dwelling, his domain, heaven, in 50 different ways, like the Bible does. I can talk about his name being hallowed by the hundreds of references where he's called the Holy, you get what I'm saying? So this prayer provides a framework for us to inhabit a world and a house of prayer, which is to say, a God-saturated existence. Who wants that? When you think of prayer, don't just think of the, you know, the solemn, you know, God, I messed up again. Or, you know, go to him when you mess up, for goodness sake. Where else are you going to go? You can't atone or cleanse yourself of your own sin. But prayer is about cultivating a dynamic and vibrant relationship with the God of all creation. So we could say prayer is about relationship. Number one. Number two, prayer, as we grow in relationship, guess what happens? He empowers us for partnership. Oh, that's, my, that's the simplest definition. It's relationship and then empowerment for par- partnership. That's what it means by your name be holy, your kingdom coming, your will being done. Guess what's required for those things to happen? Partnership. You and me in the mix, participating and what our Father is up to. So I have been, is that good? Are we good? So even if you walk away and you're like, gosh, this is a good working definition of building a life of prayer. My one liner that I've been saying for years, it's growing in prayer is learning to respond to God's reach for relational enjoyment and empowered partnership. Because the first part of prayer is not so much what do I need? What do I need to get to get him off my back or to appease my conscience? The first part of prayer is I want to enjoy you as my Abba. I want to to enjoy that you care for me. I want to enjoy that you spared nothing when you sent your son. I want to bask in the reality that when I was still a sinner, you loved me and your son died for me. Woo! I see I could spend, you could spend Your whole prayer time in that space of enjoying the relationship that we have with the Father because of the Son by one Holy Spirit. Then, beloved, if you want to grow in prayer, give yourself to this part of prayer. The easy part of prayer is, oh, and by the way, I need you to do this, this, and this. If we're honest, that's where we spend the majority of our time. And God's like, I'll do that for you because I love you and I'm a great dad. But I really want you to understand how to interact with me in dialogue, in conversation, and me sharing my thoughts with you, me opening my word to you, me telling you through the through the lens of my son what you're meant to grow up to be just like. You know what I mean? Like my son. I I love this about my Caleb. Oh, oh, I love it. You know what his, his his sort of one of his reoccurring questions to me is, Dad. What were you into when you were a kid? And you know what? The father wants to have those talks with us. What are you into? I know how I made you, but I wanna hear it from your lips. Dad, oh, but you made me with these desires and why am I inclined towards the arts? Why am I inclined towards building stuff? Why am I inclined to, you get what I'm saying? He wants to be in on all of that conversation with us. He's our father, amen? And he is a faithful father to provide the the parameters and the space and the place for us to explore and to grow up in the full stature of his son. What's amazing, when when we understand that that fact that he's in heaven, that he's holy, that his kingdom is coming, and when we get this, I, I, I saw this study where they you know, contrary to our cultural belief that we want to cast off all restraints, all mores of right and wrong. We want to rename things. We want to just erase all the healthy barriers that God has given us as, as it pertains to his counsel and his wisdom, his holiness, his laws, his his righteousness. There's this study that a, a group of kids were put out into an open field where there were no fences. You can Google this and test me on it. And literally they stayed within a few, they didn't go anywhere because there's no boundaries. Another group of kids, they put into a large fenced area and they went all the way out and explored the whole property to the fence line. Moral of the story, our father in heaven knows how the world is meant to work. And he's revealed his wisdom, his insight, his understanding of, of the way the world is meant to work, how humans are meant to flourish and thrive. and when we, when we learn to love the fence, if you will, we don't view it as a restriction. We view it as a space to experience and explore all that God the Father wants us to experience and explore. Isn't that something? When there's no barriers, when there's no safety, the kids huddle. They, I mean, they don't go explore, but when they see the boundaries, they go all the way that so they can experience the whole land. And beloved, when, when we read in Psalm 2 that the nations are casting off the restraint of God, they view his laws, his word, his will, this isn't even in the sermon, so someone needs you to hear it. I don't know who. but the nations, they're casting off the restraints, they're viewing God's word, God's wisdom and will, as revealed through His word and the living Word Jesus, as a restraint to throw off. And in reality you when you throw off his restraints, you're not a, you're not entering a space of greater freedom. you're entering a space where, you're calling the shots, and what you find when you're in charge is you have limited resources available at your own disposal. We are weak and frail and fragile, but when we receive the Father's wisdom and his word and his will, he opens up a world to us that we're meant to embody, experience, and explore. Okay, so that's not in the message, but that was for somebody. So, I'm sorry. sorry. Stick to it. So, what do you think of when you think of heaven, In our Father in heaven? <clears throat> do most of you think somewhere far away? Let's be honest. Okay, every hand should probably, because that's honestly, because our English word, we think of heaven, especially with, with modern scientific breakthroughs, like with the Hubble telescope, we see these galaxies, billions in light year. I don't even know, I didn't study all that stuff, but I can, I'm, it's fascinating. But the tricky thing about the word "in heaven," uh, the the Greek word is I, I'm going to mispronounce it, so I'm not going to say it. You can find it yourself. It's it's Uranus or O U R A N O S, and literally it it can be translated the air, the sky, the atmosphere, and 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 so for example, if you read. And, and I got this from Dallas Willard. Thank you for helping me, Dallas Willard. In Acts chapter 10, when, when Peter has the vision of the sheet coming down out of heaven, and he sees all the animals that are unclean for a Jewish boy or Jewish people to eat, and God says, get it, get up, kill, and eat. The same word for heaven is translated three different ways in one passage. In one, it's the sheet comes down the sky. And the other is that he sees it come down in the heavens. The reason I'm bringing this up is when you think of our Father in heaven, the way Jesus would have understood it, it wasn't a father who's way out there. It's a father who's inhabiting the very air that you're breathing. The air and oxygen that's wrapping itself around your body is where the father is accessible. Of course, it implies also his throne. There's a billion verses. Heaven is his throne. The heavens, we think about the stars. So it's not that heaven doesn't encompass way out there, but this is not the vision that Jesus lived out of as it pertained to the proximity with which he lived in the Father's presence. What Jesus wants us to think of when we pray our Father in heaven, two things simultaneously. He is the sovereign ruler who reigns over all the powers, all the demonic forces, all of the principalities and powers of this age, all of the works of the enemy. The Father has a higher reality. It says this in Ephesians 1, that all rulers, authority, powers, and dominions are under... That's four different ways to describe what's happening in the heavenly space. Christ and the Father reign and rule over all of that space. So yes, Jesus wants us to walk around thinking, my dad is bigger than your dad. That's part one. My Father, is he's great. He's grand. He inhabits the high. I love Isaiah 66 heaven is his throne, the earth is his footstool, but even the highest heavens cannot contain his presence and glory. So in one part he says, that's how big and great your father is. But in the other part, again, with the word Uranus, the actual word heaven, he also wants you to know, and he's a dad as close as the air you're breathing. And all in my prayer walk. That's why I wanted it to last longer. I was caught up in the Father. You're closer than the air I'm breathing. That's what. It, that's the. That's the word. Our English word heaven is where we can translate the air, the atmosphere, the sky. The birds are there. The sky. The stars. Yes, but it's also the, the air. And isn't it interesting that the translation of what we the word we get for spirit, the Holy Spirit in both Hebrew ruach and Greek pneuma is the breath of God. Ah. So he wants you to, listen, this is so important because most of us don't pray and we live self-sufficient. We're getting our tails kicked because life is hard because we believe the lie that only one part of this idea of in heaven, God's distant, he's distracted, he's too busy for me. So I'm going to handle my own life, and only when it gets really bad, I'll pray. Jesus offers us an alternative. What does he tell us? Go outside, look at the birds in the air. It's the the Greek word where we translate heaven. So here it's translated in the air. Look at them in the sky, the bird I did this morning. As I looked, I was overwhelmed. I was looking at the birds. I'm like, Father, you're, you're here. You're in this space I'm walking in. He goes, look at the birds They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly, there it is again, your heavenly Father cares for them. Aren't you more valuable than the birds of the air? They're not stressed. They're not sowing and reaping and storing up their food for tomorrow in a barn. Each day, they, whatever, they squabble out and they go get food, amen? Amen. And he goes, in the same way, and he goes, aren't you more valuable than the birds of the air, the birds in the heavens? That's the word, the air, the atmosphere. And he goes, okay, if you're not impressed by how my father cares for them, my heavenly father. Go look at the flowers. The flowers that are here today and tomorrow, they're withered, they're thrown into the fire. And he says, even Solomon, Israel's wealthiest, greatest, wisest king, wasn't even dressed like a little flower that's here today and tomorrow is gone. And do you see that flower stressing and straining, living under the illusion that God is distant and unavailable, distracted, you're left to fend for yourself? He goes, the the birds and the flowers know the nearness of a father who provides even for them. And Jesus says, infinitely more, I want you to live with the understanding of how close, how caring, how providing your father in heaven is as you walk in step with his presence. Do you get it? So yes, heaven, transcendent, other, holy, they're high, but even the heavens can't contain him. Also, father in heaven, he's right here. He's in the air. He's, his, his presence, he's immediately accessible to us by his spirit and through his son. Okay, I think that's cool. Does that make sense? It's, that's, what, that's So in heaven, it's twofold. Yes, great, glorious, over, also, right here. I want that to ruin you this week, in a good way. My father is, he's he is sovereignly over and intimately accessible. Those are the two words I was toying with this week. Sovereignly over, he reigns, he is great. No one can compare, contain Isaiah 40. He looks down and everyone looks like a grasshopper. He's so great right? He weighs islands in his hands. He's so great. He's got storerooms in the heavens of all the snow, all the rain. Just read your Bible. So there's more happening in heaven than we can comprehend. But also he's intimately available and accessible right here. The Father is here in the atmosphere, in the air. He's he's here. He wants to dynamically interact with us. So but in this space, here's why prayer, here's why life is hard. There's a war in the heavenlies. In this space, in the Uranus, in this, the heavenly space, there are other voices. There's another father. I've already toyed with that two weeks ago. The father of light, James 1, our father, and the father of John 8, the father of lies. So we're constantly surrounded in an atmosphere and an environment, will I live in alignment with the father of light, James one, 15 through 18, or will I be lured into the shadows and the darkness by listening to the father of lies? When he lies, Jesus tells us he speaks his native language. The father of lies, his native language is lies. He can't ever tell the truth. And his agenda, John 10, 10 is to still kill and destroy. Whereas the Son of God came to bring life, life to the full, and you care to know where that life is found in relationship with, his, with Abba. So you see this is a war. Our Father in heaven, there, for us to believe He's as glorious and great that he reigns over any prince, any power we had ever faced, any obstacle, but that he's also intimately available and accessible. To believe and to live out of that reality is to engage in a war. How many even this week ever it dawned on you, man, I feel all alone. I don't know how I'm going to make it. This is hard. <laughs> if we're honest, we had one hand raised, but every all of us, there's a war. Is my, is my father near? Is he here? Does he see me? Is he, is he available or is he distant and far? And how many know, If I forgot, I Googled it at one point. What is it? I'm gonna misquote it, 10 or 30,000 thoughts a day. The human brain has 10 to, it's just find it. It's right there in Google and it's, you know, trust Google, whatever. (laughs) But how many know in all of your thoughts, we're constantly barraged with believing those two, believing in his nearness or his distance. Believing that he's available and accessible, that he's watching us, that he's caring, that he has provision, that in his presence there is peace or believing the lie that we're all alone, and we gotta fend for ourselves. How many know, one or two of your thoughts each day dance between the two? So, so, so to compound this, this, this picture of the Father in heaven, it says in Ephesians chapter two, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, listen to the language, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions and sins. And then it is by grace you have been saved through faith. So you see the picture Like in the world, there's a war in the heavenlies. There's a a spirit. This feels so foolish to us modern people who think we're so darn smart and how the world actually works now that we have scientific breakthrough. But the world of the Bible and the true reality is that there are things that are very real that our human eyes cannot see. Oh, they are more real, Paul tells us, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, than what you see with your natural eye. And we see periodically when God in his sovereign choice, lifts the veil from his servants throughout the biblical story, and they just get a glimpse of the unseen realm. They're like, whoa. It's sort of like fiery messengers and angels when you can can see those things. So the, the, the world that Paul paints for us is that those who have yet to come to Christ, they're influenced by another atmosphere, by the spirit of the age, the spirit of the enemy. Again, the father of lies, choosing sin instead of God, choosing our ways instead of his ways. So again, as I'd unpacked two weeks ago, it's not like that means that everyone's walking around demon possessed. It just means they're living out of an operational, their operating system is at odds with God's will and God's wisdom and God's word. But how Paul paints it is that they're influenced by the air, by the ruler of the air, the contested space, the prince of this world, who Jesus said is the enemy. Because humans gave our authority in and, and sin. We empowered the enemy by agreeing with his lies. So when you're saved, what does he say? Watch what happens. I already described it. You're not only rescued from the wrath you deserve because of your sin, you're saved, you're delivered from sin, but here's what gets even cooler. Watch what happens. Where did I leave off? Verse five, you've been saved by grace through faith. Watch the next verse. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So in a very real sense, when you're saved, I was, I, this is why I wanted another hour to walk this morning. I'm like, I don't get it. This, I mean, I'm, I'm not that smart. But when you're saved, you're not only acquitted of your guilt, You're not only rescued from the wrath of God that your sin deserved, you're not only made clean. These are all really great things, by the way. You are all of these things if you're in Jesus. You're adopted. You're royal. You're you're accepted. You're beloved. He raises you in the spirit, in your spirit, with Christ over the messiness of the contested space, and you're seated with Jesus and you now, because Jesus is your savior, God is your father. You don't have to live in the tyranny of being whipped back and forth by the spirit of this age. Oh, come on somebody. I'm not saying you're immune to it. I'm saying you don't have to give in to it. This is the glory of having a father in heaven. I'm no longer a son of the enemy who's listening to the father of lies. I've been raised up and seated with Jesus. And where is Jesus seated? By the way, at the right hand of the father. So now when I face a battle, I don't have to face it in a hand-to-hand combat way. I get to face it from the high ground. I know who I am in Jesus. And how do you win that battle? You just speak to, the, to, to yourself, to the, to the air. This is not just like self-help, self-talk. This is the life of prayer. No enemy, I am not what I did two years ago, 10 years ago, 10 minutes ago. I am in Christ, I am forgiven, I am whole, I am holy, I belong to him, not to you, no thank you. This is in real time how we do how we appropriate who we are and what is true of us because of Jesus and the fact that God is our Father in heaven. And we are seated with Christ in our spirit above all the messiness, all the contested space. That's pretty good. Okay, so anyhow, that's good stuff. So in John, a, uh, in our Bible reading plan as a church right now, we're in, we're in John, which, uh, John, I love I love the Bible. Okay, get, okay, but there's this phrase we read John one a couple days ago. That John one, Jesus has this. He has a prophetic word for Nathaniel, this guy Nathaniel. He sees him before he's even called to him. And he he's and it it strikes Nathaniel like, how did you know where I was before I even came here? And, and he goes, buddy, I know a lot of things. Uh, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. He, before Philip even called you in John 1 N- Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. How did you have that knowledge? You're the king of Israel. But look, I love this right here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to unpack what would it mean to, to live out of, of our father in heaven reality. Here's what it would look like. Jesus said, Nathaniel, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You're gonna see greater things than these. And here's what he says. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open. Everyone say that, heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, what what Jesus is getting, so Nathanael becomes a disciple who then follows Jesus around. A disciple who got taught to pray our Father in heaven. Jesus is saying, what you're going to see as you follow me for the next three and a half years, you're gonna see what it looks like for someone who lives as if heaven is the very air that we're breathing. My whole ministry, how I teach, how I preach, how I heal, how I drive out demons, how I change weather patterns, how I raise the dead, how I, all of that is going to be God's space open and flooding our space. That's what he's saying. He's quoting from back in Genesis 32 when Jacob's wrestling with God and he sees a ladder and the ladder is like connecting earth to heaven and angels going up and down. He's like, dude, Jacob was cool. I mean, he wrestled, got a name chain to Israel, pretty good. But everywhere I go, heaven is going to be open and you're going to see the father's will manifest in real time. And so when we say our father in heaven, thank what that would look like, what that looks like is the entire life and ministry of Jesus. That everywhere Jesus is going, heaven, God's dwelling, God's reign, his reality, his rule, his government, his kingdom is overlapping, intersecting, and invading every single step that Jesus is walking. It's like this. When God promised Israel the promised land, he tells them in Joshua chapter one, Joshua, every single place you put your foot is going to be yours. Amen. Pretty good promise. But guess what? If Joshua has stayed on the west side of the Jordan, I missed my map right now. On the other side of the Jordan with a promise in his belly, would any square inch of land ever have become his? No. He had to cross it and walk, and cooperate with the reality of God's promise. So when we pray our Father in heaven, and this is part of the hallowed be your name, kingdom come, will be done. The reality is the Father has always had an agenda. um, Yeah, he's got an agenda. No, everyone's got an agenda. Guess what his agenda has always been since Genesis, and then we see it consummated in Revelation 22, that his space would invade, and there'd be no distance between him and us. So when we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, what it really is is an invitation, a quest for God's dominion, domain, his presence, him, let's just say him, invading and infusing and filling and emanating and transforming and redeeming all that we see in the earthly realm. Isn't that cool? It's cool. So we see So I want you to get it. I want you to get it. This week, he's not far away. The father's not far away. He is great and glorious. And yes, I love this here. here, uh, This is the one liner. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me. I wrote it on my prayer walk. You know how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Very famous Proverbs. It says it a ton of times. When we think fear of the Lord, we think, oh, you're supposed to walk around being afraid, being bad. No, the fear of the Lord is the beginning to a life of wisdom because the fear of the Lord is believing that we live in a God-saturated reality and therefore my whole life matters to him. So it's walking with reverential awe and wonder that there's not a compartment of my life that God, through his son, doesn't say, I'm Lord over that, glorify me in it. So when we say yes to the fear of the Lord, it's not this prison cell it's this open opportunity to realize we live in a God-saturated world and God the Father wants to flood it with his healing, redemptive love and presence. The wisest thing you and I could do, that's why the fear of God, him being God, we being human, him being a sovereign Lord, us being his image bearers who are meant to walk in relationship with him and then partnership on his behalf. When we live with that fear of the Lord, it opens a world where God is Filling all things with his power and presence. So, the fear of the Lord, when we, when we go through the, the doorway of the fear of the Lord, our world doesn't shrink, our world expands into the most glorious, we call it the kingdom. And the way into that reality is you are God, who also happens to be my dad. And you want your space, the expansiveness of your glory. that heavens can't contain you. When I, when I worship, when you're my father and your son is my savior and my shepherd and your spirit is my power and my guide and my comforter, when I live out of God's vision for the kingdom and for his life, world doesn't shrink contrary to what the enemy wants us to believe. The world explodes with vibrancy and color and glory and beauty. A world we get to inhabit with Christ at the center, the Father. Father reigning and ruling and the spirit animating and empowering us this is the world that this world is open to us in prayer prayer is not doesn't stink we, we got to learn this is why he's our father okay you get it i'm so happy i'm almost done i'm just this is why that's why i wanted an hour longer in prayer this morning i'm like i don't get it lord i just i need more i i, I you're I, my vision of you is too small you're too far away in my imagination too often I mean, anybody else? You're too distant. You're too distant. No, I'm here. I'm in the app. I'm in the air. I'm not far. Oh. So when Jesus said at the very beginning of His ministry, "My whole life, heaven's going to be open, and the Father's will is going to be done," you're going to see what that kind of life looks like. I already mentioned what does that look like? The dead, the the deaf, the heat. I mean, it looks like heaven's reality, our future breaking into the present reality, that you know we still have access to that open heaven reality as we are in the sun. I know we don't believe that because there's still so much suffering. It's so hard to believe that. Can Can we just be honest? It's just hard to believe that. But guess what? The work of God, John 6, 29, is to believe However hard it is, we stand in the messy middle because there's still a contested space. There's a ruler of the air. But guess who rules and reigns over that? Jesus, I just quoted it in Ephesians 1:20 20 through 23. Jesus, and guess what? We're seated with Jesus. Okay, no, I love the Lord. He reigns and rules over God. So the fact that he's our father in heaven means two things. He sovereignly reigns over and he's also intimately accessible. I already said that. I love this. On three occasions, a voice from heaven speaks. And guess what? It's the father speaking over his son. What was the first time he spoke? In his baptism. You're my boy. By the way, look at the language. This is why I'm giving you a biblical picture that heaven is not far away. (laughs) The heavens open, a voice from heaven speaks, and he says, that's my son. I love him and he brings me great pleasure. Where else do we hear the voice from heaven speaking? Matthew 17, the Mount of Transfiguration. From heaven, a voice speaks. That's my boy. I love him. You should probably listen to him. My translation, it literally says, you should listen to him. Like that's the one I'm speaking through on the earth, my son. And what is the son speaking? I've got a father who's now your father. So we see heaven isn't far away. He's here. He speaks from heaven. He reigns and rules from heaven. And throughout all of Matthew's gospel, instead of using kingdom of God, he uses the kingdom of the heavens. The kingdom of the heavens. God's invading the spaces and places we live. And he does that in cooperation with his sons and daughters who live like he's actually their father. You see that? Whether we're learning to love and to treasure his name, to give ourselves to his work and his will and his kingdom. Oh, I love it. This is why the very first message of Jesus, Matthew 4, 17, was what? Repent for the kingdom of the heavens. It's it's near. Again, the Greek word heavens, It's the air, the air, the atmosphere. I'm invading this space with my government, with my guidance, with my glory, my goodness, my grace, and every other G. And all you need to do to enter and experience it, change your mind, go a new direction. Get out of agreement. This is this simple. I wish it was harder. I mean, it's hard when you work it out because there's forces. But literally, repent means change your mind, quit listening to the father of lies, start listening to the father of light, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. Last thing, I'll skip all this other stuff. This really good stuff, but um, I do want to say one thing. It is from heaven, from God's domain and space. Again, it's both transcendent. It's high. It's glorious. It is. It. The word has a lot of latitude in the Bible. You get it. So don't. I'm not shrinking God's grandeur and glory. I'm just giving you the fuller biblical picture. He is other and holy and great, but he's also right here. Just say amen so I don't have to say that point again, okay? But here's what I love. It is from the heavenlies that he's blessed us. I just want to close with this passage. It's so good. Uh, It says in Ephesians 1, this is one of the best passages in the whole Bible. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That word blessing could also be translated benefit. Why is it great to have a father in heaven? Because he's got a lot of blessings and benefits that are accessible to us by faith. And then he describes what those benefits are. Again, the God and father of Jesus in the heavenlies has blessed us with every, every spiritual benefit we would ever need to grow up and to look like the son of God. To look and to love and to live like Jesus. And now he unpacks it. This is one long Greek sentence. It's one of the longest Greek sentences in the whole Bible because Paul's just going, there's so many benefits. I just see him in his prison cell like, oh my God, this is true too. Look at all the benefits the Father has given us. Do you see... You, we, the Bible is not written by a bunch of stale whites of their eyes rolled back. These are men of God who are swept up in the fact that they get to suffer from the one who is so great and glorious. That's beside the point. But I, don't read the Bible as if it's a stoic, emotional, it's, a, it's the story of living people who are swept up into the arms of a living God who gave their lives unto death to spread the good news of Jesus. Okay, so anyway, I picture Paul writing this, this prayer. And what are those benefits? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. He's lavished on us, this glorious grace, so we've been chosen, we've been made holy. He goes on to say we've been adopted. What What are the other benefits? Let me finish quoting in my head. And lo, he predestined us for adoption and sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one who is loved. Next part. In him, we have redemption. So what other benefit do we have from our dad in heaven? We're saved We're redeemed from the power and presence of sin. The enemy is no longer our master. Jesus is. And we have forgiveness of sin. That's a Who wants that benefit from the father? I like being forgiven. Woo! Forgiveness of sins in accordance with the grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's another benefit. How many know we live in a world that's lost its mind? One of the benefits we have of having a dad in heaven is he has wisdom and understanding. We can make sense of the days we're in if we'll receive it from him, right? Amen. What else do we have? We also have the sealing of the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to walk around going, am I in or am I out? Am I accepted or not? No, he wants you to know by the seal of his ownership, you belong to me. So I butchered it. There's like eight benefits, but it's all there. Read it, Ephesians 1, 1, 3 through 14. It's all there. But the underscore is this. All of those benefits come to us from the heavenlies, from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. So you're like, I don't know what to do out of this whole idea of our father in heaven. Just know he wants to bless you and benefit your life to live out of the true reality of who you are because of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. Oh, the heavens are always there no matter what. This is Willard. The atmosphere or the air that surrounds your actual body right now, God want. what we see in the life of Jesus is that heaven It wasn't hard for God's space to invade our space. And how many could say, Chatty, I could use a little of God's space invading my space this week. My workplace, my relationships, my marriage, my kids, my friendship, whatever it is. Well, you have a father in heaven. He just might do it this week as you Participate with him. Father in heaven means that he can immediately intervene and make himself known at any given moment. Okay, immediate, intimate, available, accessible. This is why I'm so convinced. After I've studied heaven a lot, this not not like a 20 hour. I'm, I'm just I studied heaven this week. Okay, I'm, I'm like I want to know what aeronas means. This stinking word. I, I need to get it in my spirit. Admittedly, I haven't studied it a lot. That's the honest truth, it's just the word heaven. It makes a whole lot more sense now that Jesus could say, because I've always preached this for 20 years. Throughout John's gospel, Jesus says things like, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. I only go where the Father says go. My food is to do the will of my dad. My dad. All of these phrases, I give you all their addresses in the Gospel of John. They're everywhere. The reason Jesus could live like that, because he had a father in heaven. And by that, I mean not a father far away, but a father who was right wrapping his body with the very air he was breathing. How many you know, it's easier to hear someone when you actually believe they're right here whispering in your ear than to live under the lie that they're impossible to please, distant, grumpy, disinterested, and far away. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus lived as if he was as close to him, and guess what? He was as close to him as the air he was breathing. The only way that could be possible is not by Jesus... I think you're saying this, Father. No, Father's like, "Hey, son, I love you. I'm proud of you." Again, this is why Jesus was a—he cr- was a crazy prayer man. He's always praying. He's always—he's the crowds. You know, he's getting popularity. Where's Jesus? Right? He's off in like isolation, hanging out with his dad. That's in the Bible. He would go off, and they'd have to go find him. Like, dude, but the people, he's like, "You don't understand. I got a father, and I need to. Ch- I need. To, I need him more than you." understand. I can't do anything what I'm doing, but in partnership with my dad. May it be true of us. May it be true of us. I'm happy. I love God's word. How many want an upgrade? That's like my call every time I preach this sermon series. How many want an upgrade of believing the truer reality that he's closer than the very air that we're breathing? He's our father in heaven. Yes, he is holy. He is worthy of all and wonder and respect. But Jesus says that God who is other and transcendent and great and glory and holy, you get to call him Abba, which is the the term for dad. And he's such a close, he's close. However your dad, however it worked, whether he was distant or far away or not around, I want to speak the good news of the gospel to you. Your father in heaven is as close as the air that's wrapping itself around your skin right now. And he wants you to know his love. He wants you to know his presence. He wants you to live a God-saturated life that he's closer than you can imagine. Jesus actually said, he knows how many hairs are on your head. For some of us, that's more than others, but that's beside the point. That's how, listen, that's how intimately close the father is. And so Jesus says, you could spend your whole life. This is the honest truth. I'll, I'll, this is, I'm quoting now. So it's not me who said it, it's the Lord. It's the word. So do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. For the pagans, those who don't live with a vision of God as their father, they run, they're, they're running ragged. Trying to get and grasp and grab. He goes, Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. He goes, this, this, so He says, So seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all the things you can strain and stress about, they'll be given to you as well. What Jesus is asking us to do, to get on believing that we have a Father in heaven who's here. He's for us. He's with us. I love that language in, in, in Romans 8, 31 through 34. If God, which he's referring to, is the, the Father. If God, our Father, is for us. F- finish it for me. Who can be against this? Why? My dad is bigger than your dad. That's what G- that Jesus lived. That's how he lived. He was bigger than the onslaught of the lies of this age which is what's so significant before Jesus goes to the cross. This is all tied, by the way. Father of light, father of lies. Jesus said, the the reason I came when he stood before Pilate was what? To testify to the truth. My whole life, I'm revealing the truth of how things are really meant to operate. And central to the truth, I've not only manifested, but I've embodied. It's me. I am the truth. Central to that truth is believing You've got a father in heaven. <laughs> and did you know, if you know his affirmation, his approval, his acceptance, that will free you and buoy your, inner, your spirit when others reject you, malign you, and seek to tear you down. It doesn't mean we're immune. We're not robots. But at least we have a place to run and to lay our head. Under the father's love okay father i love you so much i don't get it <laughs> but i just know you're so good and lord as we walk through this series of the lord's prayer i'm so thankful for the lessons you're teaching us that you're a father that you're in heaven that you're you're here you're close God, I pray that our church this week would live out of not just the theory of your closeness, but your actual presence. That you would send, Lord, just the spirit of understanding that you're walking with us, you're reigning and ruling over us. That you're watching, that you're speaking, you're provoking, you're encouraging, you're correcting, you're doing all of these things to us and through us because you're our Father in heaven. Thank you that we can access your presence 24-7, 365. We live, contrary to our culture, we live in a God-saturated world, and I pray you'd give us eyes to see and understanding to grasp how near and close and powerful you really are. So, Lord, teach us your ways. Guide us in your truth that we could walk according to your word and will. In Jesus' name, we all said amen.